0: listeners love adam crowley just between you and me i believe you're fat ugly dumb and godless just personal opinion. the adam crowley show when you're done with your program we can discuss this out in the parking lot i mean you, you're a tough guy on
1: espn
0: pittsburgh
1: i hate the bruins with a passion You go back to the 2013 Eastern Conference Final, the Penguins scored two goals in four games. Everything was right there for the taking, and the Penguins could not beat damn Tuka Rask. Zdeno Char is tall. That's annoying. Patrice Bergeron's tough to play against, and Brad Marchand might be the biggest pitch in hockey. Penguins Bruins tonight at 7. Joe Haggerty. Of NBC Sports Boston, one of the more hated media members in Pittsburgh will join me coming up at 420. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 4129 222 is the number to call or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Before we get to the burning sports topics of the day, good friend Will Graves from the Associated Press tweeted out that Phoebe... And Rachel were the two best characters and friends. This is controversial. That is a hashtag bad take. Here's the ranking, and this is the only order it can go down. Chandler, I've got Joey and Ross tied for second, Phoebe, Monica, and Rachel. That's it. Rachel's just a regular person. She brings no character to the table. Monica's at least neurotic, Phoebe's weird, Joey and Ross are hilarious, and Chandler is, well, he reminds me of me, except I don't have a drug problem. We will talk to Will Graves about this and more coming up at 520. Did you see what James Harden did to that poor victim? My God, if you didn't, check it out on Twitter. Just search James Harden. He broke a dude's legs on a crossover, stared him down for about three seconds, and hit a J. Now I think he walked, but it was disrespectful, and it was badass, and I will ask you, the audience, this question. What is the most emasculating thing that you can do to someone in sports? Because that right there, that's pretty damn emasculating. We can have fun with this one. Now, I've seen some things in my day watching sports. The thing that pissed me off the most, the thing that's the most disrespectful is when Scottie Hartnell bit Crystal Tang's finger. That, to me, was disrespect. But let's go disrespect and emasculating from a fun angle. Like a soccer player getting nutmegged, or a goalie getting deked out of their skates. Stuff like that. I want your thoughts... At underscore Adam Crowley on Twitter. Anytime you got struck out by mister AJ Burnett, he would emasculate you. Sit the bleep down. He'd throw his arms in the air. Mike Gonzalez used to get wild after a strikeout. His career sure went down the tubes. What's the most emasculating thing you can do to someone in sports? Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Barbara Streisand cloned her dog. Of course she did. And it leads to this sports question. This is the time of the year where content is created, baby. We come up with our own content. We don't have a lot on the sports calendar, so we do what we want to do. Not that we don't anyhow on this show. But what's one player that you would clone and bring back? Just one player for one moment that could change history. And I think I've got the definitive one. I don't think you're going to beat mine, but I want your contributions. I got a clone Roberto Clemente coming back and throwing out Sid Bream home plate. Bam! Beat that, bitches. 412 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. When I got in today, I stole a cable box from a nearby studio and put it in this studio so that I could watch Big Ten basketball. I'm now watching Michigan and Iowa. Before that, I watched Wisconsin and Maryland. It is a sickness. I'm just addicted to drama and sports. I realize that Iowa stinks. I realize that Wisconsin and Maryland stink. But you're fighting for something now. That's why these conference tournaments are so awesome because lowly teams like Wisconsin and Maryland and Iowa, they still got a shot to get to the Big dance. So they're going to play their heart out because their season's over if they lose this game. Iowa ain't making the NIT. Wisconsin ain't making the NIT. Maryland, they might. But they wouldn't go to the dance. One thing I do love about the NIT, at least this year, is that they are going to institute some rule changes on an experimental basis. You can't do that in the NCAA tournament because you can't just start changing rules for the most important time of the year. But the NIT is largely meaningless, so sure, why not fool around with some stuff? And I like the rule changes. Four 10-minute quarters as opposed to two 20-minute halves. Five fouls per quarter until you shoot free throws. I love that because games will stop being free throw contests. The lane will be wider, which will make it easier to drive. Three-point range will be moved 20 inches back to the international line. I didn't love that at first, but if you're trying to help the student-athlete, if you're trying to help these guys who want to play at the next level who aren't going to the NBA, the best thing you can do for them is move it back. And the shot clock will go from 30 to 20 after an offensive rebound. I like all that shiz. The NFL is also trying to change some rules. The catch rule, my God, they're trying to figure out still. They're trying to eliminate the the go-to-the-ground portion of the verbiage. Okay, fine. Let me know what you come up with. Because none of us know what the hell it catches. The other thing the competition committee is trying to change is the pass interference rule. Changing it from a spot foul to a 15-yard penalty. I've gone back and forth on this one. The Steelers themselves drew more pass interference yards than any team in football. Antonio Brown has a lot to do with this. Martavis Bryant has a lot to do with this. They wound up racking up more yards due to that penalty than any other team in football. So it would hurt the Steelers, you'd have to think, if the rule got changed. And I hate the rule changing anyhow now. I've settled on it. You can't just start tackling people once they get behind you. Now, it doesn't happen in college, but I'm afraid it might happen in the National Football League. Someone gets behind you, balls in the air, you sprint until you tackle them. That eh, 15 yards, you live to play another down. I don't like it. But I don't want to spend the entire show talking about NCAA rules or rules that are, are going to change or might not change in the NFL. What I do want to talk about are rules that we could change across sports that would make them all better. I love sports. I love the drama of sports. I told you I'm watching Michigan-Iowa right now on the Big Ten Network. But sports have their problems. College basketball, which I love, gets slowed down far too often because it becomes a foul shot contest. It gets slowed down far too often because so many things get reviewed, and the reviews... Take so damn long. So here's one right off the bat. All across sports, I'd like to put a time limit on instant replay. If you can't look at something and figure it out in the first minute, keep the call on the field or the ice or the court. Keep that call. If you watch something for eight minutes like we had to endure West Virginia fans did in the NCAA tournament last year against Gonzaga for eight minutes? You have to go with what you had prior. Eight minutes, how many times do you need to watch it to not know what the hell happened? So that's something I'd like to see change in all sports. In baseball, keep it to a minute. In football, keep it to a minute. Hockey, keep it to a minute. Basketball, keep it to a minute. I'd also like to allow steroids in every sport I don't look at sport as anything other than professional wrestling. Obviously, the outcome is not decided. But it's just meant to entertain. I don't watch sports only for things to be right. I don't watch sports because I know each of the players is moral. I don't watch sports because... All these guys got this great moral compass, and they're doing things the right way. No, I want to watch sports professionally and collegiately because these are excellent athletes. And if steroids help them become more excellent, if they help me enjoy the product more, I'm down with it. And for those of you who are going to say, well, now kids are going to do it, they can make their own decisions. Even if it would help me, I wouldn't do steroids because it might shrink my Johnson. Might make me mad. You can make your own choices. Those are two things I'd like to see change in sports. What's say you? Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. We call shows like today, for me, shows of a thousand takes. Because I don't have any overarching things that I need to talk about today. But I've got about a dozen things that I want to talk about. Like Sean Miller. The head coach of Arizona basketball who says he's innocent. Denied it vehemently. Would you want that guy to coach Pitt? Because I sure as hell would. If I'm a Pitt fan. I don't care if he cheated. Because they're all cheating. I don't care if he's immoral because the sport is immoral. The governing body is immoral so Sean Miller to me is just doing what everyone else is doing and if he gets fired from Arizona why not let him revitalize the University of Pittsburgh's basketball program Andrew McCutcheon said today to the post Gazette quote it's pretty apparent what the Giants are trying to do that's why I'm here it could have easily gone a different route. I could easily have been traded to a team that wasn't trying to win either. Ouch! The either's the thing that kills you, right? McCutcheon then paused and tried to correct himself, saying, quote, I won't say either because that means the Pirates aren't trying to win. They say they are, so we'll leave it at that. Now, this is being circulated around the Pittsburgh media, and it's being made a big deal, but... It's really not that big of a deal. The Major League Baseball Players Association just filed a grievance against the Pirates because they think that they're not using the revenue-sharing money the way that they're supposed to use the revenue-sharing money. They don't think the Pirates are trying. Josh Harrison wants to be traded because he doesn't think the Pirates are trying. David Freeze doesn't think the Pirates are trying. Andrew McCutcheon saying that he doesn't think the Pirates are trying? It piles on. It is news. But it's not at all surprising. More on that coming up at 440. Also at 440, I got cut off in traffic today. And I about flipped my lid. So we'll get to that. This might be the biggest topic of the day. It depends what kind of traction these things get. I'll talk for three hours about anything. I'm having fun. I got Iowa, Michigan on my TV. That's all I need. Is it a failure if the Penguins don't win the cup this year? Because they won it the last two, which to me means, no, it's not a failure. Hell, I said the same thing last year. If they didn't win it last year, it's fine because they just won the damn thing. But I'll amend it. If they don't win it this year, I'm okay with it. I'd rather them do it. It'd be bad, freaking ass, if they won the championship three years in a row. But I'm okay with it, because they're still going to have the same core largely intact next year. Broussard's going to be around, Kessel's going to be around, Malkin, Crosby, Latang, Gensel. The list goes on and on. To me, it is a disappointment, though, if they don't find a way to win it at least once in the next two years. Now again... Define disappointment, right? They have won the Cup three times in the crosby Malkin Air. If they never win another one, they still won more than even Lemieux's Penguins did. So, I'll cut them a break. But they got Broussard not just because it helps the Penguins win this year. They got Broussard because it helps the Penguins win this year and next year. They've now got two playoff runs with three really good centers. So, to me, I would be bummed out if they don't win it this year and they don't win it next year. One out of two, though... That ain't bad. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I realize I've thrown a lot at you, but throw it back again at underscore Adam Crowley. Up next, Joe Haggerty from NBC Sports Boston. Penguins fans do not like this guy because they look at him as a Bruins homer. I just think he's doing a good job. We'll hear from him next. Joe Haggerty, NBC Sports Boston. It's Crowley Show. He's Pittsburgh-born, and we like him that way. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Cinderella Boy. On 970 ESPN. And now on 106.3 FM. You guys, this Michigan-Iowa game. (laughs) Oh! 53-51 Fifty three, fifty one, Michigan. Wait until you hear me if I'm on the air during a West Virginia game. Last year I filled in for Madden during the NCAA tournament. And it was a lot like when Madden watches soccer. I get all riled up. Yeah, this Michigan-Iowa game ain't going to get me riled up. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. You know what will get me riled up? penguins Bruins. I think it's one of the better underrated rivalries in the National Hockey League, even by Penguins fans. When you think about the Penguins' rivals, you go to Washington, you go to Philadelphia, in the opposite order, actually. It's Philly, then Washington. The Rangers, I think, snuck in there a couple of years ago when they Gave it to the Penguins a little bit in the playoffs. The Blue Jackets at times have given the Penguins problems. Hell, the Blue Jackets gave the Penguins problems in the playoffs a couple of times. But I think that Boston and Pittsburgh, they don't get along. And I think some of it has to do with the Patriots and the Steelers. But in 2013, Boston was... The best team in the Eastern Conference by virtue of having a great record and, of course, by beating the Penguins in the Eastern Conference Final. The Penguins, I thought, had the best team in hockey that year. My God. Sidney Crosby was having an unbelievable season before Brooks orpic blew up his face with a slap shot right after the Penguins got Jerome McGinley at the trade deadline. And the thing that got that rivalry set in motion the Penguins and the Bruins that year was that Jerome McGinley was kind of looked at, I thought, as the piece that could separate Boston and Pittsburgh. They were very similar teams record-wise. I think they were both looked at as the best teams in the conference. And the hope for Penguins fans was that Jerome like could put them over the top. And I think that the thought for Bruins fans was that Jerome like could put them over the top. The Penguins got like They got Crankshaft. Doug Murray. They got Joe Morrow. Is it Joe Morrow? It was a Morrow. Put him on the fourth line. You see Jokinen came in. The Penguins... Added a lot at the deadline. And the thought was, oh my god, this is going to be the year finally. They haven't won since 2009. They'd flamed out in the playoffs a couple of times. 2012 against the Philadelphia Flyers was an absolute disaster. And you thought the Penguins had built a roster good enough to take them back to the promised land. I certainly thought that the Penguins built a roster good enough to take them back to the promised land. And I remember the exact moment that the Penguins traded for Jerome McGinley. It was like midnight. And I fell asleep, and you hear whispers about how good Boston's going to be after they trade for McGinley. Boston's going to get Jerome. They're already good. It's going to put them over the top, and the Penguins, they're going to be chasing. They're not going to be good enough again. And as my head hit the pillow, I thought, damn, I'm going to wake up in the morning and Boston's going to have strength in- their ability to win the Stanley Cup. And what hurt about that so much is that it was the lockout year. So you're waiting after the Penguins got throttled by the Philadelphia Flyers, waiting an entirely too long offseason. Then the Penguins went 36-12 and 12 in the regular season. And the hope was they're going to win the championship and now damn no they're not because the Bruins are going to get Jerome McGinnla. That's what's going through my head as I'm falling asleep. Then I get a text from my buddy Nick. Dude, we haven't got this guy. And I didn't buy it. I just rolled back over went back to sleep. Until my buddy Josh called me. Screaming. Penguins got a Ginla, Penguins got a Ginla, Penguins got a Ginla. And at that moment, with the roster that they already had, with the goal-scoring prowess they already had, with Sidney Crosby at the top of his game, with Evgeny Malkin playing good hockey, the Penguins are going to win the Cup. And then you fast-forward through one difficult playoff series and then a pretty easy playoff series against Ottawa. And it's Pittsburgh-Boston the way we knew it always would be. And the Bruins just punched the Penguins in the mouth. Penguins were down two games to nil in that series. Went to overtime in the third game. And the OT goal made you realize it's not going to happen. Had they won that game, maybe things turn around. But they didn't. And the Penguins scored a grand total of two effing goals in four games. So to me, Boston is a huge rival because at the time, to me, they beat one of the greatest Penguins teams of all time, at least on paper. And they beat the Penguins team that, to me, was going to give them a legitimate shot to reach the dynasty status that we'd always been promised with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Flurry. I hate those bastards. Hate them. Joe Haggerty just texted me. He of NBC Sports Boston. He says, can't do it right now. Let's try to do it another point at some time today. So we'll try to work things out with Joe. Braden tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I think it shows how spoiled Pittsburgh fans are saying it could be a disappointment if the Penguins don't win the cup. Because we are all spoiled as hell watching this team. There's no doubt about that. But here's my rationale there. We are spoiled to watch this team. But it's also a great opportunity in front of this team based on the talent that they have. So while we might all be spoiled, you also want to see the Penguins take advantage of an opportunity where their roster is this damn good. Because in four years, Crosby and Malkin aren't going to be playing probably like Crosby and Malkin are playing right now. So you'd like to see them win enough championships in that time to make you feel like they accomplished enough. To me, though, it's not about winning this year. It's about winning one of the next two. You got Brassard. That's why you brought him in. That's why you didn't bring in a rental like Michael Grabner. You brought in a guy with term. Vegas ate some of the salary. So you get this guy. He's got term on his deal. He makes the contenders this year and next year. And then you get to keep Patrick Hornquist. For the foreseeable future, which also helps you in your contention in not just this year but next year as well. These next couple of years are the best chance for the Penguins to win another cup in the Crosby and Malkin era. And I know it sounds greedy. I know it sounds spoiled. I know it kind of makes Pittsburgh fans look bad. But I got to see one in the next two years. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I am interested in what Bruins fans think of Penguin fans. What they think of the Penguins. I mean, you know they hate them. But I've seen Joe Haggerty tweet things out before, like Sidney Crosby gets all the calls, and that's nonsense, especially given that the Penguins haven't been drawing any penalties of late at all. But that's laughable for a number of reasons. Mr. Haggerty's just a very good troll. Very good troll. But I'm guessing he does that, says those things to rile up his fan base. The Boston Bruins fan base. Saying things like, yo, Crosby gets all the calls. You know that's getting retweeted 100,000 times in damn Boston. I know how they feel about the Steelers. They're always playing second fiddle to the Patriots, or third fiddle, or worse. But yeah, even though Boston won the Stanley Cup back in 2011, the Penguins have won three cups since 2009. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I think Boston's really good, but I don't think that they're a cup contender on the level of Winnipeg and Nashville and Tampa and Pittsburgh. So when and if we do speak to Joe Haggerty later on in the program. I'd like to know why he thinks the Bruins should be included. And I would imagine he does think the Bruins should be included. One thing I don't understand. Is that Patrice Bergeron is getting mentioned a bunch in Hart Trophy conversation. We all know Patrice. He's good friends with Sidney Crosby. He wins a bunch of face-offs. He's always a finalist for the Selkie Trophy. But why is he getting mentioned above guys like Evgeny Malkin for the Hart Trophy? Well, because Boston's good again? Just because Boston's good, we have to put Patrice Bergeron in the conversation? Patrice is a great player. But all those other little things that he does, winning face-offs, playing good two-way hockey, does that make up for the 22-point cushion Evgeny Malkin has on him? I don't think so. Especially when Malkin's on the top of his game, how he drives possession. He ain't scoring against the Penguins when he's on the ice. If Evgeny Malkin won the first star of the month in January, and he just won the second star of the month in February. You're not telling me that Patrice Bergeron deserves to be in the heart conversation more than Evgeny Malkin. Screw that. Those are all intangibles. Give me the tangible. Well, he puts a lot of faith off. Well, what does that mean? What does that add up to? Well, he plays a lot of defense. Okay, great. But you can't exactly quantify that, can you? You know what I can quantify? If Gideon Malkin being second in the league in goals. You know what I can quantify? Of Gideon Malkin having 22 more points than Patrice Bergeron. But he plays defense. Great. Does he play defense so well... That it makes up for Evgeny Malkin having scored 22 more points. No! It's asinine to think that. People always talked about how Pavel Daksuk deserves to be in the conversation for best player in the game because he gets it done at both ends of the rink, and the narrative always for him was this. He puts in a lot of effort on the defensive side. He could be the best offensive player in hockey if he wanted to be. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If he wanted to be, then he would be. That's like the people who always said, Ichiro Suzuki, he could hit 40 home runs if he wanted to. No! No, he couldn't! If he could, he would! (laughs) If you want to do something, and you have the ability, and you're a professional athlete, you're going to do it. That's the dumbest thing ever. All these things are narrative-driven, they're really not all that nuanced, and they're not tangible. Look, Patrice Bergeron's a great player. I'd love him to play in the Penguins. He is a pain in the ass to play against. But you know who's also a pain in the ass to play against? Evgeny freaking Malkin. Evgeny Malkin came in one-on-four against the Devils the other night and somehow shot the puck four times. Four Devils in the defensive zone, and Malkin's going around him like pylons. A couple of backhanders whacking at the pads of Kincaid, the goaltender for New Jersey. That guy is dynamic. That guy takes over a game, a series, and a season. Patrice Bergeron, his job is to stop Mulkin from doing that. Good luck. If there's a better player in hockey right now than of getting Mulkin, tell me who it is. Tell me. Now, I know he was only named the second star of the month in February. Guess his game is slipping. First star of January, second star of February. He'll be off the podium in a couple of months around playoff time. He had as many points as anybody did in the month of February. The only reason that he wasn't the first star is because everyone loves Connor McDavid. Oh, my God, Connor McDavid's so great. Yeah, if he's so great, why is his team blow? Why'd they become sellers at the deadline? Trade-off Patrick Maroon. Evgeny Malkin right now. Right now is the best player in hockey. And I've seen a couple of different national articles place him behind Patrice Bergeron for the Hart Trophy. F that. That's just looking for new blood. That's just looking at a guy who's not done it before. That's looking for a guy that everyone loves. And oh my God, everyone loves Patrice Bergeron because he plays with pierced lungs and broken ribs and shattered feet. He does everything the right way. Oh, yeah. I think there's one thing we're forgetting here, too the racism element. And I don't mean that fully, but there is a bias. He's a French Canadian. They love their own more than they love their damn bacon. I'm happy Brian's here so he could chuckle at that awful joke.
0: It's funny, man.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks. You're welcome. Really strong backing there. Yeah,
0: it's
1: great. Coming up next, maybe Joe Haggerty? Probably not. The only reason I haven't gone full heel and taken Joe Haggerty out is because he sounds like a good Irish guy. And we Irish people, we like like our own more than we like our coffee. Coming up next, I take out all of Maryland. No offense to you, Brian.
0: None taken. It's the Crowley Show. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh.
1: Jay tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Love the show, but you just repeated today's Mark Madden's opening monologue word for word. Here's the deal. Full transparency on the Crowley Show. I've been sitting in a room watching college basketball all day. So that's pure coincidence. But great minds do think alike, and I don't think it's all that far of a reach to say that if Evgeny Malkin deserves to be the league's MVP before Patrice Bergeron does. I don't think you have to be the super genius or the leader of snowflakes to realize, yo, Malkin's a better player and having a better year than that guy. So, pure coincidence. I was watching Wisconsin and Maryland earlier. How about that? That's how much I love March Madness. And it is March 1st. How early are they playing this Big Ten tournament? They're going to get done on, what, Sunday? And then next Sunday, Selection Sunday. And then next Thursday starts the game. So, the winner of the tournament is going to be off for 10 days or more. And anybody who gets eliminated before that's going to be off two weeks. It's stupid. But I love this. Day basketball, when you're working, we used to watch them on the TVs at school. If you had cool teachers, they'd put them in on those box TVs. We get to watch Pitt in the Big East tournament back in the day in the old Mount Lebanon cafeteria. I love it. Another reason I... Was a little preoccupied today. Is that my wife forgot her wallet. And I had to drive it out to her. It's about a 25 minute drive. And the reason she needed her wallet. Was because they're selling Girl Scout cookies at work today. She thinks I'm a great husband. She thinks I'm a great husband. She's like oh my god honey. Thank you so much. That's so nice. I know you have show prep to do. But this is so sweet of you. To come out here drive 50 minutes round trip, and bring me this wallet. And I'm thinking the whole time, girl, I want Samoas tonight. Girl, I want my Thin man. And you know what? That other kind of cookie, they could tag along. But on my way out there, I got cut off. I got cut off by one of those generic white vans. God only knows what's going on in that thing. And the license plate was a Maryland license plate. And I can always tell a Maryland license plate because they got that stupid, ugly flag on it. Now, not all of them. Brian, he's got a classy Maryland license plate. It's clean. It does have the little flags. Little, very little. Little flags. But this license plate, it was just the flag and then the license plate number. So this guy pulls out in front of me about 15 feet before I have to make a right. And it's not a light; it's just a stop sign going on a really busy street. This guy cuts me off, and then he had to go left. Oh! So I would have had five seconds before I'm going right, and this song bitch cuts me off, and I'm waiting there for no joke five minutes. I'm sitting there for five minutes as this guy tries to pull out and go left. It would have cost him literally zero time.
0: That's a double F you in traffic.
1: I lost my mind. Now, I didn't beep at him or anything because in today's society,
0: you can't be too careful. Well, you don't know if he's from Baltimore. Right. I mean, (laughs) don't beep at a person from Baltimore because most likely they're packing. He's going to bust a cap in my ass. Yep. I was terrified to beep. I never beep at anyone. And
1: if anyone beeps at me... I always reach over onto my captain's chair and fiddle around a little bit so that they don't then come to my car.
0: You you fake the move.
1: Yes. Like, if someone's going to cut me off, I'm not beeping at them. But if I cut someone off and they beep at me, I reach around like I'm grabbing for a bat or a weapon (laughs) or something so that they don't even get near my car. I also had a buddy in high school who someone did this. They get out of the car. His window didn't work on his car. So they're like going to reach in there and strangle him. And his thought is, okay, I'm going to open the door. Because if I just get, if they reach in there and strangle me, there's nothing I can do. But if I open the door and I go out there, I can defend myself. But he pulls his pocket knife out and just starts cutting his arm. Oh, no. My, he cuts his own arm. My friend just starts hacking his own arm. Scream. Like, pulling the crazy yeah. car. Yeah.
0: Bring it on! Bring <laughs> it on!
1: Oh, no. Like that Hey Arnold episode, where the dude starts smacking around the garbage cans and screaming like he's crazy. And it scared the guy off. So my move is always to reach around on the chair, make it look like I'm grabbing some. But seeing that flag, that Maryland flag, in my face, it was like a bull seeing red men. I hate the Ravens with a passion. I I have to. Born and raised in Pittsburgh. Go Stillers. They've got the flag on their uniform. They've got the flag on the uniform. There's a lot of West Virginia alum in Maryland. So that's become a pretty good rivalry when it comes to football. They play almost every year. They played in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. And it looks like the state threw up on them. Their uniforms are just disgusting. And it's this flag. It's just this awful flag. And I can't believe that these people are that proud of their damn flag. It's the ugliest thing that anybody's ever been proud of other than Chelsea Clinton. My roommate in college put the damn thing everywhere. Everywhere! Everywhere! Any house I'd go into that had a Maryland lacrosse pro had the damn flag everywhere. And what about lacrosse? It's like slow, boring hockey. It's not slow, obviously, but compared to hockey, my buddy always said, it's the fastest sport on two legs. Shut the hell up. Everyone's got two legs for the most part. So every sport... That's faster is the fastest sport on two legs. And don't get me started on crabs. No, the dungeon is kind. Don't get me started on crabs. They're delicious. Yes, they are. They are delicious. Mm -hmm. Will not lie to you. Transparency, number one virtue of the Crowley Show. I will never lie to you on this program. But I don't want to work to friggin' eat. I mean, my God. It's why there are nutcrackers. Like, I if I'm going to eat a crab, someone's going to beat the snot out of that thing for me. I'm not doing it myself. I've tried it. I've wound up cutting myself. Now, I'm sure those who live in Maryland, they do it a lot easier. They learn the proper technique, but it's still time-consuming. It's not that good to justify the work. There's my take. I love crab, but it's not good enough to justify the work.
0: All right, Crowley, I've got a few things to defend here. A lot of murders happen in Baltimore, too. <laughs> that I can't defend. A lot of murders. <laughs> That's one I can't, can't possibly defend at all. That's a dangerous place. Your father tried. He tried. He tried. Look, man, crab's good. Good. Okay. You learn from an early age how to pick through these things. What you're not getting here is that the process of picking, it's a social thing. You hang out. You drink beer. Lots of beer. Bad basic, beer. Basic natty or, Bo. It's awful. That is, an, that is an amazing beer. Are you kidding me? That is blasphemy right there. That is a good beer in any state, any country. Give me a tall no. Iron City over a Natty Bo every single day. Oh, I'll put my bow against, a, uh, or should I say my bow, against an Iron City any day. But see, that's Nanny the thing Bo with Bow. And while you're at it, why did you not rag on the accent in Baltimore?
1: Because they can come right back and get after our Pittsburgh Look, people. Look, I'll
0: take Yenzer over over, <laughs> over the white trash Baltimore accent any day. And I say that with half my family having that accent. It's the most awful thing. I think they're all dumber for speaking that way. They do come off dumb. They wow. come off ridiculous. They come off dumb. Okay, but crabs—it's a beer drinking experience. You're not going to get full off of them. You're not. If you want to get full, you go to crab cakes. But the crabs themselves—it's a picking thing. Yeah, you go through. You learn Earl at an early age how to do it. But really, really, the prize in that whole situation is the beer you're drinking. You know what I like to drink when I when I like to do when I'm drinking? Drink. That's what I want to do. I want to drink. When we were in college playing beer pong, my buddies were never like, hey, man, let's go get a bushel of crabs to beat. See, beer pong is essentially the crab. It's an excuse to drink. When you don't have an excuse to drink, a crab feast is the perfect excuse to drink. So, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm not sure. Well, there's crab feast. Let's get drunk. You know what I would do? Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Nothing? (laughs) Hey, come get drunk. Maryland. And the flag worst thing ever it's disgusting now here's the thing when they poor chelsea clinton they connect (laughs) yeah you just you took her out i don't know why i took out chelsea clinton chelsea's collateral damage in your maryland rant she grew up better looking though sort of the 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 thing with her dad probably had crabs (laughs) wow can't even start after that one so back to the flag the crafts. here's the problem with everything Marylanders with the flag they like you said they love the damn thing everywhere you go everywhere. every relative of mine has a flag somewhere in state their house. roads and I've never been a guy who's like yeah I need something with the flag on it no in fact I think less of people who do that but here's what you end up with you end up with not only the traditional like hey I'll get a, a car magnet that's uh, the flag you know Hey, cool. Well, then it goes one step further. Now they've got crab-shaped magnets. Yes. They look like a blue crab, but they've got the flag on them. Crab has no freaking idea about that flag, doesn't care, just happens to be in the damn bay by these people, and they're going to slap the flag. That's animal cruelty, technically. Then they make hats out of them. Here, Okay. Ravens, Orioles, black and orange, purple and black. The hats are flags. None of the colors are there. They're not yellow. What the hell? And it's everywhere. You walk into a CVS, you walk into a Safeway, you walk into any supermarket. You walk up to a vegetable stand. There's some kind of damn flag tchotchke. And I think what these people have done is they've they've gone so far into it like, "Hey, our flag's so ugly that it's starting to become cool, but these are the same people that speak with that stupid accent, and it lends to their IQ. They're just idiots, and they'll buy anything. Is it a socioeconomic thing? Absolutely. So like the
1: bethesda No, No, uh, no They flags. don't got uh, uh, the flag they're not there. Not
0: the flags, uh-uh. You're down in Dundalk, Sparrow's Point, those places. Those are the lunatics. That are doing that. And I guarantee you that some of them are even chopping up their math on a little mirror with a Maryland flag on it. Guaranteed. Okay, now one point of contention I have with you. Lacrosse is a great damn game. You are just wrong on that. I don't know about the fastest game on two feet, but it's an insane game. It's a little bit of hockey. It's a little bit of basketball. It's a lot of theory. It's a lot of well, play. Well, it's just running. not
1: original then. It's like, oh, I'm lacrosse. I'm, it's I can't the be, most original. The damn Indians invented it. I can't be my own Native Americans. I can't be my own thing.
0: I gotta be a little bit of basketball. I gotta be a little bit of hockey. I gotta be a little bit of soccer. I gotta be a little bit of highlight. Look, here's where it comes from. They all came after the fact. So if anything, they're taking points from lacrosse. But here's where it started. These Native Americans used to run around with severed heads in baskets on the end of sticks that's not the same game that uh, well that's what t- it's a representation cuz we can't carry severed heads around anymore we got laws and everything i'm sorry if there weren't laws against cutting people's heads off and throwing them around then maybe but there are so we had to go one step further now there's the hard rubber ball there's the stick it's a great game you're just wrong on that you've seen the sandlot
1: yes yes <laughs> so imagine if It was an old-timey version of the Sandlot, but back in the day, the Native (laughs) Americans, it's like, oh, we just threw somebody's severed head over the fence. Who's dying today? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Lacrosse is awesome. Coming up next, I do hate the Bruins. And Will Graves, he just had an awful, awful hot take today that I have got to address. It's the Crowley Show.